You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. How are we doing, North Valley? Hello, hello. It's good to be back once again. Second service. Um, I'm in the midst of, we have an online service, so I'm we had some technical difficulties, so I've been over there trying to work at it like, oh, it got to come on at 1045, so pray for us that it comes on at 1045. Well, oh, it looks like it's going to come on. I got a notice. <laughs> so my wife went outside to go check on that. Oh, my daughter did? Oh, I thought you sent her. <laughs> so make, make sure. No, it's not. That's my daughter, not my wife. <laughs> All right, so now I'm settled. Okay, now I know it's coming on. We're good. She doesn't even have to do that. I know it's coming on now. Okay. How are we doing, North Valley? Let's start over, all right? Rewind, we rewind, rewind, then come back. Okay, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and so uh, I'm from the old school, like I told the first service. You know, how many grew up in the time of revivals? You know, revivals. You know, you grew up in a revival. It's like all week. Like, can we just go home? I'm just tired. <laughs> but... I say that because, as Pastor Ryan was explaining to me, you guys are in a sermon series, Design and Shine, coming from the old school, it's like you don't change anything, what they're talking about. You stick with the theme of the series. And so, in that same spirit, I stick with the theme. And uh, as Pastor Ryan had been speaking to us about Design and Shine, uh, and he was in Matthew 5, I'm in Matthew 5, amen? And so... uh, they may put it on the screen if you got your tablet, your mobile device. Go to Matthew 5, starting at verse 13, starting at go through 16. And I'll read. I hear some pages turning. I like that. That's old, you know, because technology be tripping out, especially these Apple devices, but pages never trip out. <laughs> okay, here we go. At verse 13, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if... But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is seen in heaven. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So Pastor Ryan gave us an equation last week, right? And I I got it right on the first service. I wrote it down, right? And the equation was SP plus CC plus SI equals HIF, right? High, like high frequency faith, right? And basically what he was telling us was that we have to make ourselves available. We have to make ourselves seen. We have to make ourselves to be in the midst of those that are unbelievers, be in the midst of those that are in need. Because as believers, sometimes we have the tendency to get comfortable. I mean, Jesus is wonderful. So it's like my life is better than it used to be. Uh, I'm walking in this salvation and... Things are changing around me, and when things are going bad, I know God is in control. It's easy to get comfortable in that, you know? It's easy to get comfortable and sit, sit back and, and just work on my family and go to a nice church family and hang around everyone that thinks like me and, and, and votes like me and walks like me. It's easy to do that. And 
That's a tendency as us, as people, we will naturally do that, right? But if we, I didn't say this in the first service, so I'm saying it in this one. If, if light is in a room with a bunch of light, how do we know light is shining? If light is in a room with a bunch of light, how do we know light is shining? Can we see the light? Are we, does the light impact us in the way that it will impact the ones that's in dark? If we all were in a blackout, we're going to be attracted to what? The light. Like, we're going to see where the light is. How We're going to look for a light. We're going to look for a flashlight, look for a candle, look for something. I need light to be able to see to travel through this life, right? And so, us as believers, what's happened for us, we've seen the light. We've accepted Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We're covered in his blood. We have salvation. And now, we cannot forget about the ones that's stumbling and bumbling in the dark. And the thing that's bad about the ones stumbling and bumbling in the dark, they don't know they're stumbling and bumbling in the dark. A lot of them. Some do, and they're waiting for somebody to come help them along. Someone who can't see uses an aid. They use a stick, or they use a, a, a CNI dog, or they use someone to come grab a hold of them and help them and assist them, or they can get along themselves, but they have to learn how to get along. They still have to learn it. The same thing in this walk. For an unbeliever, someone has to come and help them and assist, and we have to be the light. So Jesus is standing here at this, at, on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's a bunch of people out there, but Jesus is speaking to the ones that will respond. A lot of people probably came because they heard about, it might be some fish or something, right? So a lot of people came and said, oh, well, let's see if he's going to heal somebody. Let's see what the, this show is all about. A lot of people came just as looky-loos to see but then some came really seeking and want to be a part of him. And he's saying, let you yeah, be the light. He's saying, be the light, be the salt. If I put a steak in front of you, you're not going to know the difference between the steak, one that has salt and one that doesn't have salt until you taste it. Somebody needs to taste and see that the Lord is good. And the way they taste and see that the Lord is good is through you, through us. That's how they taste and see that the Lord is good. This is what we have to see. This is what we must understand. So in the context of what I'm speaking about, how Jesus is telling them to be salt and telling us to be light and salt, it's what I call God's people policy. God uses people because that's the way he designed it. He designed it to use people. He gets access to the earth through the ones that have accepted him, and he uses us to do anything. Read your scripture. He used people for everything. When they was in disagreement, he brought someone along to make him be in agreement. When they were lost, he brought someone along to help them find a way. When we were lost in salvation, he wrapped himself in the flesh and he brought Jesus Christ to die upon the cross. He uses people for everything. And he's telling us we need to be salt and we need to be light. And he wants to use us because we're his people that have been set apart, that have been chosen to walk this thing. But the thing we must remember is this. We're sinners saved by grace. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. A little bit as I continue to go down. But the thing that makes it hard for us sometimes to make ourselves available is how we see ourselves or how, or how we see the ones that need our availability. Some people are like, hey, I'm just now getting this thing, man. You want me to be a witness? I'm still trying to wrap my mind all around how he still loves me after I've been through this. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how he can see me through this divorce or how he can see me through this loss of my family or how, how he can see me through this job situation or he can see me how this, this housing situation. I'm still trying to see this thing and you're telling me to be a witness? 
Yes, that's what he's saying. And the way he does this is by the way you go through your trial, understanding that he's on the other end, help somebody that's going through a trial that doesn't know that. Think about that. I'm in the mortgage business. I've been through the housing crisis in 2008. When that thing crashed, boy, it crashed. I was a subprime mortgage underwriter. I worked for Countrywide. It wasn't my fault if you had a Countrywide loan. We used to go to lunch with the badge from Countrywide. And when things were going bad, I like, put your badge in your pocket. Because people would come up to me like, it was you. <laughs> like, it wasn't me, man. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> so when the housing crisis happened, I was a subprime underwriter. What does that mean? I'm not going to have a job. Because there's no more subprime loans to underwrite. And as I'm sitting there for weeks, I'm telling my wife, it's coming. She's like, no, the Lord's going to upset. No, nah, it's coming. <laughs> it ain't no, the Lord ain't turning this one around maybe the Lord blowing this up on purpose right <laughs> it's coming so as I was going through the process of losing my home because I was a victim of the same loans that I was giving out <laughs> losing my home I went to my pastor and I was talking to him and he just said he was like just short sell it I said I never thought about that I was trying to do all this other stuff and I was stressing myself out. And he was like, just short sell it. So I came to my wife and I said, I'm going to short sell the home. And she, you know, she embraced it. And after a while, you know, like, okay. It's like, we're going to short sell it. Let's put it on the market. We'll recover two years. I know how it works, you know. And as I was going through this trial of not knowing how things were going to happen, my neighbor across the street was going through the same trial. My neighbor next door was going through the same trial. The other neighbor across the street was going through the same trial. But they would have never known why because I kept serving. I kept praising. I kept worshiping God through the whole process. And now when I trust God that he would help me through the situation and I went to go short sell my home, those neighbors came across the street and said, well, what did you do? I need to find out what to do. And I went ahead and I started to minister to them and I helped bring some to faith in that situation because, you know, your home is what you invest in. It's what your children grew up in. And I let them know that, man, God will get you through this and he'll help you through. But they seen it through me. Why? Because I was willing to share my life. If I never talked to those neighbors and I was in my righteousness because some worked at the casino. He was a drinker. He gambled. He did all these different things. But I would talk to him. We took care of his daughter in the daycare. I would talk to him all the time. The other one across the street was a principal slash alcoholic. And he, he was like, I knew he was an alcoholic. And he was a principal. Great guy. I would spend time with him. And my neighbor next door who kind of made me upset because he started following Mormonism. I told him, if the bikes come to your door, come to my house first. <laughs> And so, I thank God he no longer does that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm, if I'd never made myself available because I thought my light was too bright for them, they would have never known how to get out of their own crisis when I was suffering the same crisis. See, we all had something in common. The one thing we didn't have in common was the faith that helped me get through without stressing, helped me get through without suicidal thoughts, helped me get through. That's the difference. And now I could give them that same faith. Because God uses people. So he used you in your own crisis. He used you in your own inadequacy. He used you in those old moments if you let your light shine. Amen. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. So I need you to. I didn't get him this. Ryan asked me. I never got it to him. Uh, but you guys can write this down or put it in your phone. God uses people. Satan knows. God uses people to bless people. Satan knows this, so he uses people to hurt people. 
God uses people to bless people. Satan knows this, so he uses people to hurt people. And if we ever been on the other end of that hurt, we don't want to deal with people. We want to deal with God and God alone, and we don't want to deal with people. And so you ever hear the church saying, I love God, but I can't stand his people. You ever hear that saying? But when he's telling us to be a light, when he's telling us to be the salt, we must take time to understand we got to rephrase that. I love God and I love his people and everything that comes with it. Yes, some of it may be testing. Yes, some of it may be trying. But because he was patient with me, I must learn to be patient with them. And I got to let my light shine and I got to learn how to impact them for the kingdom's sake. So if God uses people, can you be used? Are you willing to be used? Don't allow the enemy to lie to you to say the other ones aren't worthy. Why? Because the thing is, we're all saved by grace. When we think about that statement, when we're honest as believers, it's like I'm saved by grace. It puts a smile on my face. But also, if I don't process it right, it makes me think that I'm not a sinner. I, I know I don't live a sinful lifestyle, but I know I'm still a sinner saved by grace. So if I'm a sinner saved by grace, and the difference is that I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and the dude at the, at the gas station at a Circle K who's homeless and looking for, for change, and, and he smells like liquor, and he's down, is he still that sinner that can be saved by grace? Because that could have been me. That could have been you. That could have been any of us. So we're still that sinner that's saved by grace. Yes, and by us being saved by grace, we walked away from the sinful lifestyle. We don't live a life of perpetual sin, but we do have thoughts that's not good sometimes. We do have actions that's not good sometimes. And when we can process that, then we learn how to see the ones that's in need differently. That's what gets missed a lot of times. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And then one thing that gets frustrating is people that could come in and say that they are saved and still have unrenewed minds. Because the Bible tells us to renew our mind, but the renewal mind is a process. And sometimes we want them to speed up their process so we don't want to deal with them. Like, how can you believe that? Or how can you, how will you make that decision? And it's like, this dude been in sin 25 years. He's been saved three. You think those 25 years of his mindset going to change in three years? These are practical things that we must understand. And so God wants to use you. He wants to use your life. He wants to use a process that you are with him to help other people. Who does God use? If we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, just like the mission trip, North Valley right now being the hands and feet of Jesus. But when we're the hands and feet of Jesus, hands and feet follow the head. They don't make their own decisions. They follow the head. So right now, if I go, I made a decision to go this way, my hands and my feet just went this way. If I made a decision to jump off stage, it's too heavy for that nowadays, can't do that. But if I made a decision to do that, my hands and feet are going to do the same. So if Jesus made it a part of his ministry to make sure that he came up close against the ones that the religious were leading at the time, the, the leader at the time thought they were not undesirable, that you couldn't be around them, but he made sure that he was around them. Why can't we make sure that we're somewhere there around them in the workplace? Why can't we make sure that we're uh, just showing, our, showing ourselves friendly? You may not have all the words. You may not be able to debate the faith and know all those things, but you know I got Jesus, and I know that my life has been changed, and I know my testimony, right? So when you're able to do that and show out of love, people respond. I, have, I had a coworker who, I think I might have told this story last time, I said, I don't know. I said, I tell a lot, I like it. But I had a coworker who lived an alternative lifestyle, 
her and her wife worked at the job, right? And they know I was a pastor. They knew I didn't stand for those, that belief. I stand on the gospel. But I never treated them different. I always treated them the same way. We would talk about football. She was a 49ers fan. I'm a Packers fan, so I don't understand that. And so we would have these uh, debates about the Packers, and she had this hookup on where to get football jerseys and stuff. I'd say, hey, order me one. You know, and we were friends, and there was a time I had just got a new car, and I, it was a keyless entry, and I forgot about that. And I left it in my wife's purse when we went to lunch, uh, on the lunch break. And she went to her job, and I can't get in my car now. And I'm like, oh. And I asked, I, I, I'm like, I can't get in my car. She volunteers. She says, I'll take you to go pick it up. Let's go down there. I used to work down there anyway. So we get in the car and we're driving down there. In the midst of driving down there, she starts to tell me her testimony. And her testimony, instead of me looking at it and judging her from her alternative lifestyle, she starts telling me how she was a drug addict, how she was homeless at one point, how she was uh, uh, on meth for years, and how, how she got cleaned up and she know it was God that done that. Now, I could sit that moment and say, yeah, God done that, but you exchanged one thing for another thing. I could have been judgmental on that, but no, you have to be strategic and understand what the Holy Spirit moment is. I had to celebrate her in that moment to say, yeah, you're free from that. Therefore, the door opened up that later on we could have another conversation. And we, later on, we had another conversation. And by the time we had the other conversation, she stepped back and she said, you make me actually think about this. And the only reason she was willing to have the conversation is because I showed myself friendly, because I didn't judge her. I didn't back off my faith. She knew my position. So on that first Sunday that we had as a church, she came and said, can we come? I said, of course you can come. She thought she couldn't come because the views the other had portrayed. But the, she knew me. See, the difference is it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. But when they know you and how you treat them, that's what they're going to respond to. And by you treating them the way that Jesus says to treat them and letting your light shine the way you've been designed to do that, they will respond to the light that's shining through you. Why? Because we don't really have no light. We like a mirror. Let his light reflect through us. And when that light reflects, they see that light and they're attracted to it and they want to be a piece of that. They want a piece of that. So, we got to learn to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and the hands and feet follow the head. So if he made himself available to some, some people that have undesirable opinions that doesn't match yours. If he made himself available to some people that have lifestyle that don't match yours, you make yourself available. And the reason he made himself available is that he could come into the life. And when he comes into the life, the mind, mind renewal process starts to happen. See, we don't save anybody. He does the saving. We just do the pointing in his direction. Amen. So this is where I want us to see. We have to be willing to do this, that people need to be able to rightfully divide the word of truth. Second Timothy, that we rightfully divide the word of truth. Study to show ourselves approved. Why? Because if we as believers don't give it to them, the bikes will pull up to their house. You know, the bikes, the other faith. <laughs> the bikes will pull up, put the helmet down and sit down and have conversations that we are unwilling to have. So now they're listening to that and they start believing it because they're giving a whole nother Jesus that's not the Jesus that we believe. And they start listening to that. Or the witnesses that come and knock on the door. They're like, you want one of those, want one of these, uh, whatever that thing is called. And they get you at the gas station and hand it to you at the gas station. They come up to your door. One lady came to my door one time, sidetracked. I always get sidetracked. I'll come back. She came to my door one time and I, she was like, I just want to talk to you about Jehovah. I said, oh, okay. So we started getting into this conversation, and I hit her with a question that she was stumped. And she said, 
I'm going to go get my husband. I'm going to come back. She never came back. <laughs> but we got to be willing to engage in some of these hard things. We got to be willing to engage in some of these hard conversations. Why? Because the thing is, God was willing to engage us, so allow us to engage. And if we don't know the answer, we, that's why you have a church that you can point up to the one that can help them get those biblical answers. When they're willing, when they know you're their friend, they'll listen to you. When they know you're their friend, they'll, they'll, that same person that I, that I, uh, that took me to get my keys, that same person that's a friend of mine to this day, when her daughter got in a drug situation, who's the person she called? Me. Because I showed myself friendly. That's the difference. But don't lie to yourself and think you're inadequate. Don't lie to yourself and think you're not capable of spreading the gospel. Why? Because I'm going to give you examples of people God uses. Who does God use? God uses willing people. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, you know, we, we read it. I think it's Isaiah 6 off the top of my head. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting high upon the throne. His train filled the temple, right? He says in the year King Uzziah died, I like to mess play around with that a lot of times. Sometimes the King Uzziah in your life could be the thing that you're, that's holding you back from saying yes. Because what happens in that same passage, Isaiah says, he, the Lord says, who should I send? He says, send me. So God used Isaiah because he was willing to be sent. But something may have had to die to get out of his way. Allow those opinions that's holding you back from seeing the need of the people to die, that I could go help them in their need. So God uses willing people. God uses unusual people. If you're strange, there's some strange people that's waiting for you. You know, your family be like, you're just something about you, man. <laughs> I mean, John the Baptist was the strangest there could be, right? This man eating honey and locusts, I'm like, I don't know if I could receive his gospel, something weird, you know? <laughs> but, he's, but he has disciples, why? Because he's saying the thing that needs to be said. He's giving repentance in a way they never heard it before, and they're responding to him, and he made himself available. So he was unusual, so God uses unusual people. Young people, you're at school, and they think you're unusual because you're saved, stay unusual, because there's somebody else that wants to be unusual, just like you, and you be their friend, and they'll come close to you. That's the difference. So he uses willing people. He uses un unusual people. He uses ordinary people. If you think you're ordinary, you just go to work, do your job, take care of your family. It's a bunch of ordinary people right there at that job that's doing the same thing that's feeling lost. Your boss, he could be the top of the company and he's lost. He could be making more money than you. He could have better possessions than you. And you think, oh, he's okay. No, that man is lost. No, that woman is lost because they don't have the Savior. And that can be your opportunity just that ordinary person. I don't, I don't run fast. I don't jump high. I don't play instruments. I don't preach. I just, I just love people. That thing right there is a the thing that God needs for you to be, to, to operate. The, the 12 disciples are ordinary. They're just fishermen, tax collectors. They had regular jobs. Jesus used them and turned the world upside down by these ordinary people, not the elite, not the ones that they thought was in position that was judging everybody else. He used ordinary people. Understand that we're just ordinary people, and he used them, and they turned the world upside down. God uses flawed people. King David was real flawed. Messed up, man. But he was a man after God's own heart. Still, sometimes you got to just keep reading that like, man. He was a man after God's own heart. So he uses flawed people. So if you got flaws, God wants to use your flaws and all. And the reason he wants to do this is because it's some flawed person that needs to hear how flawed you were or you are or the process you're in, that they understand that God wants them in it too in the healing process. God uses broken people. The lady at the well was broken. But after she got that living water, what did she do? 
She went right back in town and said, I need you to go. It's this man. She started telling people. She didn't know theology. She didn't know any of that. Hey, it's this man that told me everything about myself, and I think you need to go hear him. See what I'm saying? So don't allow the enemy to lie to you because the enemy knows if you understand that God wants to use people and God wants to use you, that you will be impactful for the kingdom of God. This is, this is, I'm saying all this to get us to see something. We have to see God's viewpoint. And in order to see God's viewpoint, we have to be willing to get in his presence. We have to be willing to get with him and, and pray to him and, understand, and be honest with him because he already knows what's going on in your heart. And this is where we must come to a common ground to understand. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We all saved by grace. See, the difference between the believer and the unbeliever. I, use this, I used to use this example with my youth when I used to teach the youth. It's like a man needing a job. And they keep saying, I need a job. I need this job. I need this job. But they're walking around with an application in their back pocket all the time. And they've never noticed that the application in their back pocket. Why? Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that who ever shall believe in him shall not shall, shall get everlasting life, right? So here it is. The believer recognizes that this is application, this salvation in my back pocket, and I open it up, and I fill out the application, and I turn it in, and I automatically get the job, and what he does, he hands me a manual to show me how to work the job, and he shows me how I've been saved, and he shows me how I've been loved, and now I'm saved. I'm saved by grace. The other person is walking around with that same application, but they don't know. It takes someone who's actually filled it out. It takes someone that's actually asked Jesus to come into his life. It takes someone to acknowledge the fact that Jesus took my sin account, put it in his, who was into his account, and put his righteousness in my account. To let somebody else that knows. So when I sit back and look at that, I start realizing I'm no better than the, the wino on the corner. I'm no better than the person in the meth house right now. The only thing better, the only thing that's made me walk a better path is I recognize that, I, that a Savior died for me. And I got to let the person that's in the meth lab right now know that there's a Savior that died for them. And that's all I got to do because he's going to do the rest. He knows that who's going to respond to his word. But we have to be willing to give the word. So when I start realizing that, it makes me start seeing things different. And it makes me come to this conclusion. When God looks out and sees his people, what does he see? Does he see rich and poor? Does he see black, white, Asian, Latino? Does he see Democrat, Republican? Does he see, does he, does, what does he see? Does he see women? Does he see woman and man the way we see it? Or does he see lost and saved? See, God's viewpoint is, the ones that's lost and the ones that say, I love them all. These are the ones I'm going to use to help get to these that need to come to me that I've already set that's going to respond. We don't know who's going to respond, so we go to everyone. That's the difference. His viewpoint, when I start seeing it like the Father, when I start seeing it through his Father's eyes, I imagine Jesus sitting on the mount, uh, sitting on the mountain. He's saying this, be the light, be the salt. He's looking out. And he sees a vast of people, some there just for looky-loos, some there just because they want a handout, some there just because they want this. But then it's a group that he knows that's going to respond. 
And he's talking to the group that he knows is going to respond. Are we going to respond and allow him to access his people, allow him to access the lost by the Holy Spirit that's in us, by the conviction that's in us, by the new life that's in us, that we can access them. And you don't have to be a preacher to do that. You, all you got to do is show a smile when no one else is smiling. We don't have to be a preacher to do that. All you got to do is show faith when they hand a pink slips at the job and you walk out. You know, you're a little shook, but you walk out and I know God's going to take care of me. And somebody says, how do you do that? That's all you have to be willing to do. But you have to be available. You have to be in the midst in order for them to rub up against you to get the friction. So when we realize that we all say by grace, it makes us no better. It's only Jesus that betters my walk and betters my understanding. Anything good is worth sharing. You go to a good restaurant, you tell everybody. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go to Papa Do's. You're like, yeah, I need you. You, need, you know what you need to get? It's that so-and-so over there. It's a good school. You know, people are like, I'm looking for a good school. Oh, my kids go to this school. The, the, the program is great. The teachers are great. You share all those things. Why don't we share the good news? Why don't we share the good news? Are we afraid that they're rejected? They're rejected? That's on them. It's not on us. But it's more people than you know that want to hear the accurate gospel. See, when we don't rightfully divide the world. They get caught up in all this other stuff. They get caught up in new age views. They get caught up in all these other things because every lie has a German truth and they hold on to that one German truth and miss all the lies around it. So we have to be willing to see it from God's viewpoint. As I close, I always use an example for viewpoint and to encourage us to give the gospel, the accurate gospel, our savior. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. But I use this analogy a lot. And this analogy is this. There's a man getting up, getting ready to go to work. You know, wife's getting ready to go to work. Or maybe she's a stay-at-home mom. I don't know. I never think about that. I'll choose the guy. <laughs> There's a man getting up. He's making this coffee, you know, because morning cup of Joe gets you on the go, right? So he's making this coffee. And his kids are getting ready to go to school, and he stands at the window. And he's in an urban community. He stands at the window and looks out at his kids, and they say, all right, Dad, they're going to the bus. Love you. He's like, love you. Love you, kids. And he drinks his coffee. He gets in his car, and he goes to work. He's in, a, he's in the urban context. Then there's a person in the middle class context. Here it is. He's getting his coffee ready. His kids are getting dressed, and they're, they're going, getting ready to go to school. And, and they're going, he looks out the window, love you, Dad. And uh, he's like, I love you too, kids. And he goes and he goes to work. Then there's somebody that's in the upper class context. They might have the butler getting the kids ready or they, they're getting chauffeured to school. I don't know. But they're doing the same thing. He's getting his coffee. He's going to his company or he's going somewhere. And they're like, we love you, dad. And he said, I love you too, kids. But on a Sunday, those three people all drive to the same church. If we don't give them the accurate piece of the gospel, it's impossible for them to see the same thing because of their experience in this life. And they start to formulate their own opinions and they start to formulate their own views based on where they are in the position in their life. But the gospel penetrates every position in life. The gospel penetrates everything. And when we understand that, we know how to be the light. When we understand that, we know how to be a witness for that. So, will we allow God to use us and see it from his viewpoint because God uses people and he wants to use his people 
to change the world. If we could take, if they could take 12 and those 12 could turn to 77,000 and they could turn the world upside down and we're still sitting here today, let us just start with one and help change their world. Let us pray. Let us stand to our feet. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that gives us life, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that gives us revelation of the scripture right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that directs us in our path. Father, help us in the renewing of the mind process as, as we're renewing our mind, as we're renewing our views in you, Lord, as we're renewing our stance to stand on your gospel and on your truth and your truth alone right now, Lord. Help us be willing to access the ones that aren't so willing right now. Help us to access, help us access the ones that are, they already think they have an opinion, but they keep asking questions. Let us see the opening of the door that they keep asking questions about where we stand, that they may be inquiring about you, Father. Father, allow us to be willing. Use the willing. If we're broken, Lord, use the broken because you restored our brokenness, Father. If we're flawed, Lord, use the flawed because you want to use the other ones that's flawed right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. If we're unusual, Lord, you want to use the unusual piece about us because you crafted us this way that we could touch the other ones that are in that same demographic, Father. Father, bless North Valley Community Church as they are being an example of hands and feet of Jesus in Mexico. Help helping spread the gospel and not just talking about it but they're being about it they're actually putting their hands and feet to work and showing young believers what it is to be a believer and they're showing old believers what it is to be a believer that's never encountered things like that lord bless them bless pastor ryan bless this ministry and bless the people of god and we thank you for this in jesus name amen and amen thank you for listening to become a supporter of north valley community church give today at northvalleychurch.org